WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This is it, folks. The weekend before Election Day, the balance of power in Washington up for grabs. And it's all in the hands of swing state voters scattered across the country, including, of course, right here in North Carolina. The election could have impacts felt across the country, really, for decades. As you know, the big race at the top of the ticket, the presidential race. Republican incumbent Donald Trump running against incumbent uh, against Democrat Joe Biden. All eyes also on our Senate race here in North Carolina. Uh, can Democrats take control? They have to flip four seats to do it here in the Carolinas. You've got Tom Tillis and also Lindsey Graham down in South Carolina hoping to fend off Cal Cunningham and Jamie Harrison, respectively. But the races are razor thin. One thing for sure, the election is going to see record turnout. More than half of registered voters here in North Carolina have already cast their ballot. So we brought together some of the smartest folks we know. Three people who study this stuff 24-7. They live it, they breathe it, they love it. All professors who teach politics. And this morning, we're picking their brains, hoping they can teach us a thing or two as well about the upcoming elections. Professor Bitzer joins me right now. And Professor, I realize you are just that. You are not a prognosticator. Um, you could not predict the future. Uh, that said, we wake up Wednesday morning. What do you anticipate uh, the big picture this thing's gonna look like? Big picture, first and foremost, record turnout. Uh, the likelihood is we will come within one to two percentage points of all of the votes cast in 2016 having been done by early voting in this state. Uh, that means close to 4.6 million potential early votes going into election day, and then election day just simply adds on to it. So from a big picture point of view, if we're looking at over 70% registered voter turnout, maybe as close as 75%, that would be historic in North Carolina. The other things that I'm gonna be looking for is certainly the urban counties like Mecklenburg will be very strong, a deep blue democratic, but what are the surrounding suburban counties going to be like? How deep of a red or do those red hues lighten somewhat uh, in those counties? I think that that's going to be a telling sign. You said 70 to 75 percent voter turnout, perhaps. I mean, give us some context. Historically, what have we seen here in North Carolina? Typically, since 2008, we have averaged 68 to 69 percent. So in 2016, we had 69 percent. That equated to 4.7 million ballots being cast. The likelihood is we will go well over 5 million this year. How far beyond 5 million is anybody's guess? just simply because of the astronomical number of North Carolinians who have cast early ballots, and then who's gonna show up on election day? We just don't know, and I think that that's the dynamic that a lot of us are struggling to try and figure out until the voters decide and the polls close on Tuesday evening. Let's talk about the presidential race here in North Carolina, because we've certainly seen our fair share of the, the candidates here. Um, it's been a, a battleground state, one Obama carried in 2008, lost in 2012, Trump won it in 2016. But uh, let's take a look at things where they stand, uh, at least towards the, towards the end of this past week. The real clear politics average 
Uh, it shows Joe Biden with a very, very narrow lead, uh, about half a percentage point, so well within the margin of error. And it's a race that's been seeing the margin get tighter over the last few weeks. How are you seeing this one play out here in North Carolina? I mean, it's a coin toss. Uh, you know, these polls indicate that it's basically tied. If you factor in the margins of error, it could go either way. And the likelihood, again, is North Carolina will be one of the most, if not the most competitive fought over states for the Republicans and particularly for Donald Trump. It is crucial that they have North Carolina in their win column for the 15 electoral delegates. If Joe Biden is able to carry out a win Tuesday night, that means he has won other states that put him well over potentially 270 electoral votes. So yes, this is a battleground state, but the crucial dynamic is for the Republicans necessarily over the Democrats. So it's more important for Republicans that they win this state than it is for the Democrats. Okay, no, noted there. Um, uh, as a news organization, we try our, our best to sort of set expectations for what people should expect come Tuesday night and what they should not expect. Um, you, you know full well that, that what we do on election nights is uh, offer projections. They're never the final tally. Uh, the right. president this past week tweeting out that he wants the final tally on election night. We all know that will not happen. It's not gonna happen in North Carolina. It's not gonna happen anywhere. That's just not the way, the way it works. But play out a few scenarios. How do you expect this thing to, to proceed going into the next morning, into the, the next week? Um, what are the different ways this could play out? I think one of the key things that I'm gonna be looking for are the number of outstanding absentee by mail ballots that are still out there. You know, if we have half a million absentee by mail ballots that have not been returned and those voters have not voted in person, that could potentially throw a monkey wrench into who exactly wins based on the competitiveness and the margins of some of these contests, presidential, U.S. Senate, perhaps gubernatorial, even down to local races. The key to remember is these are all unofficial results until the counties meet to certify their results, which is 10 days afterwards. And we also have the U.S. Supreme Court weighing in and saying, yes, North Carolina can extend the days to accept absentee by mail ballots as long as they are postmarked by 5 p.m. on Tuesday, November 3rd. So we have never certified an election that night, and the State Board of Elections will have three weeks in order to certify the, the complete results from the counties. So, I mean, if this is a tight race, you're, you're looking at, you know, at least a couple of weeks, um, especially depending on the mail-in votes, how many there are before we have a firm answer. If it's a, if it's a wide open race and this one's a very clear cut, then it's not so much the case. Right, exactly. And if the margins are greater than, say, half a million between the candidates, I think that even with all of the ballots still outstanding and could potentially come in, the dynamic isn't going to change. But North Carolina, by all indications, is competitive. It's a coin toss kind of a state. We'll just have to wait and see what Tuesday night brings. All right, Professor Bitzer, as always, sir, thank you. We appreciate tapping your mind and sort of getting an idea of, of, of what your thinking is as we go into Tuesday. Uh, thank you. Be well, my friend.
You too. All right, we continue talking to what is really our, our political brain trust on the other side of this break. What to expect Tuesday night? We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint on this, the weekend before the big election. Joining me now, Dr. Scott Huffman from uh, Winthrop University. Professor, thanks. We appreciate it. Um, all right. How about you? Tuesday night's going to be a late night, let's all assume. You wake up Wednesday morning, you grab your phone, uh, open up Twitter or whatever your preferred uh, social media will be at the time. What is going to tell you the most about the, the state of, let's say, the presidential race first? Well, I, you know, it, it the main thing is I don't expect results necessarily by, by that morning. I am going to look at where the lawsuits are being threatened, uh, really, because that's going to sort of indicate where the desperate need is. Um, you know, Pennsylvania and Michigan can't start counting their mail-in ballots until Election Day. So, uh, you know, the, the Trump administration, the GOP, have already uh, sued with regard to, to Pennsylvania about how late they can take in mail-in ballots. Remember, a lot of states say as long as they're postmarked by Election Day, but then you know, even in North Carolina, there are lawsuits about how, even if they're postmarked by election day, how long they can take them in. So I'm, I'm gonna wake up, pour, pour myself some coffee, resist the urge to add whiskey and check and see where the lawsuits are being threatened. Uh, it sounds like the, a good way to go, except maybe whiskey, I, you know, people, <laughs> people wouldn't judge you for that, I don't think. Uh, listen, uh, you're at Rock Hill, uh, we'd be remiss without talking to you about a Senate race that you've had down there. That, <laughs> to everybody's, I guess, surprise over the last couple of months, has become quite competitive in a, in a state that didn't really have competitive Senate races. Uh, as of the latest poll, we saw uh, Lindsey Graham leading by three percentage points uh, over Jamie Harrison. But this thing's been neck and neck uh, over the last few weeks. Um, how do you see this playing out? Well, you know, the, the last few polls have all been margin of error stuff. So it really has been just shocking. You know, folks initially said, oh, my gosh, you know, a single digit race uh, for a Democrat. Well, that's that was not a surprise. Barack Obama only lost in 2008 by single digits. Now, that was nine, the highest single digit, but it was still single digits. Generic Republican beats generic Democrat by 10 points in statewide races in South Carolina. But this isn't a generic Republican and it isn't a generic Democrat. Jamie Harrison um, has had better name recognition than anybody since and as Tannenbaum, who first ran against Lindsey Graham for Strom Thurmond's empty seat. You know what? I would argue Jamie Harrison has better name recognition than Inez Tenenbaum did. She was the superintendent of education, but most people can't name that that person in their state. And Jamie Harrison has had a flood of, of external money. The national Senate Democrats and the National Democratic Party have put money in this race where they have not backed Democrats before. So Jamie Harrison has had money and name recognition. And that means for the first time, Lindsey Graham has had a, an opponent that people want to vote for. Before, everybody voting against Lindsey Graham was voting against Lindsey Graham. You have these folks who are just, you know, 
disappointed with with Lindsey Graham. Now he has attached himself to Trump. When he became Trump's attack dog during the Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court hearings, his approval rating among Republicans in South Carolina jumped more than 20 points. So he has hitched his little red wagon to the Trump train, and he's hoping it'll pull him along. But Jamie Harrison has truly made this a toss-up. But I just want to point out how narrow of a ledge along a Nepalese cliff Jamie Harrison is walking here um, to win. He has to get Trump voters, or at least people who are not voting for Biden, because Trump's going to win South Carolina, to then vote against Trump's right-hand man and attack dog Lindsey Graham. So you can see how those people are going to be far and few in between. So he's got a narrow path, then is that, is not that an the, impossible path. Is that then an indictment um, of Lindsey Graham? Uh, and no, not, Lindsey Graham was, uh, for for the longest time, the least popular Republican among Republicans. So, you know, everybody else, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, and even, you know, Mark Sanford back in the day were soaring, you know, much, much, 30 points higher than Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham was in the 50s among Republicans, which is unheard of. And he shot up to, uh, to 74 immediately. Uh, on the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, remember Republicans were, were bashing him as Gramnesty and things like that for working with Hillary Clinton back when Hillary Clinton was in the U.S. Senate. So he has always had sort of a fraught relationship with South Carolina Republicans, and so you know the fact that this relationship has been tenuous—that's what is sort of putting him in danger. Got just about thirty seconds left. What do you think are, are the chances that? that these races, the presidential race, that Senate race, the Senate race up here in North Carolina, are as close as the polls say. Everybody has talked about shy Trump voters. Oh, Trump voters are afraid to say they're going to support Trump. I've never met a Trump voter who's afraid to say they're going to support Trump. But what if there are shy Biden voters, uh, Republicans who don't want to tell their friends or anybody they're going to vote for Biden? That's, I think, a scenario where the polls might be wrong. But odds are it's going to be tight and we're not going to know Wednesday morning. All right, proving that not only you can talk politics, also statistics and math and tough stuff <laughs> like that. All right. All right, Professor, listen, uh, we appreciate you coming on as always, uh, and uh, happy Election Day. We'll be talking to you over the next few days, I'm sure. All righty. All right, Flashpoint continues right after this. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Born team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC Weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn Storm Team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. We are counting down to Election Day now just a, uh, a couple days away, and joining me now, uh, Dr. Susan Roberts from up at Davidson. Uh, Professor, thank you, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. All right. Uh, the question I'm asking, what do you think the big headline will be Wednesday morning when we wake up? I think it'll be um, Trump wins uh, or barely wins election night. And after we count the absentee ballots, that's the red mirage. And then after we count around the country, not in North Carolina necessarily, there'll be that blue shift. And so um, I promise not to not to sing, but I was thinking about it in that song, Election Night's All Right for Fighting. I think we're going to see that. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of disruption. I hate to be a 
you know, uh, dark winter kind of person, but I think it's going to be very, very um, close. And um, I don't trust uh, all the polls right now. What I think is unfortunate is we are in the horse race state. I mean, we always bemoan that, but this is where we are in terms of the election. Um, capping the um, odds and making projections when they're really just snapshots. I think you make a really good point here, and I think it's it's important that our viewers hear this, um, that, that you're saying the results of, of Tuesday night, um, not only will they be incomplete, but they might reflect a different reality than what we're actually going to see in the days uh, after that. Sure, and that's, that's exactly, political scientists have said it in other elections, but I really think that's what's going to happen. And I don't, of course, I don't think the networks are going to quote unquote, call the election necessarily. Um, North Carolina, we close the polls at 730. Um, maybe some, uh, we do process the absentee ballots um, uh, as they come in. So it may be a truer picture of the way the country's going than we may think because every all the eyes are on Florida. I think North Carolina might be the state that um, people look to. Gotcha. Uh, well, and one of the races they're looking to as well, aside from the presidential, is, of course, the, the Senate race, the most expensive race in the country. Goodness gracious. It's had every twist, turn. Uh, you've had uh, mistresses, affairs. You've got COVID-19 diagnoses. I mean, it, it's been one for the record books for sure. Um, this is the latest poll. We're showing it right now up on the screen uh, that shows Cal Cunningham with a slight, very slight uh, point and a half lead, uh, maybe, over Tom Tillis right now. Um, of course, though, folks haven't really heard much from Cal, Cal Cunningham, at least not through any sort of interviews lately, because he hasn't been doing them. Um, do you think it is possible that, that he ekes this one out? Um, I think it can go either way. And I think that uh, some of the polls, more recent polls uh, that show um, Cunningham ahead are not very good polls. They're, you know, B minus C polls by um, Real Clear Politics. So I think it's dead even. And I think that um, Cal Cunningham, uh, it's one good thing he may have been tried in the court of public opinion. Uh, and mercifully for him, he hasn't been tried as a member of the Army Reserve. He hasn't been tried by the Army yet because that would be the death knell. But I think Tillis has been getting out there and Cunningham has not. Um, I think you're gonna tie it back to the decisions that people have already made. And um, whether they think that, um, uh, an extramarital affair or, uh, or you know, uh, uh, an incidence is um, as bad as all that. Studies have shown that people are more concerned, voters are more concerned with um, corruption than they are um, sexual um, kind of incidents, with the exception of soliciting prostitutes and so forth. Actual illegal activity. Do, do you think so goes uh, Trump, so goes Tillis here when it comes to uh, North Carolina? Um, I do. And I've thought that for a long time. I guess um, that lead at first that showed Cunningham consistently ahead by like six points, even eight points. Um, that was uh, something that I thought might really, uh, you know, pretend to say, portend to say that um, he wasn't going to be tied to Trump Biden because Biden was has been um, looking fairly good. But I think that's real narrow. I think it could go either way. And as you mentioned, incorrectly, that um, this is now the most expensive case uh, Senate race in the country. So was Kay Hagan and Tom Tillis. So we got about one minute left. And I, I have to ask you, we talked about the, these national or rather statewide 
um, races being so tight. Why do you think it is the governor's race? Uh, Dan Forrest and Roy Cooper, why don't you think it hasn't been as tight as some of those other statewide races? Well, one reason I think that Cooper had a lot of visibility during uh, COVID-19 at the beginning and um, I think he was very reassuring. In fact, I saw some of the commercials. Uh, I found out they were commercials by, by listening the whole time. They look like public service announcements. And I think that helped him a lot because he looked reassuring. He's a centrist Democrat. And, um, and sometimes the incumbent has a real advantage. And I don't think Forrest made the impact. Forrest actually has been losing money and the Republican Governors Association, so I'm told, stopped running ads for him at the end of September. And I think that shows you that um, it's not a race that Forrest can win. Interesting, the difference between that race and the, the other two statewide races that we're looking at right now. All right, Professor, thank you so much. I do appreciate your time and helping uh, educate not only myself, but of course our entire audience as well. Thank you. Thanks. More Flashpoint after this. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn storm team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Before we leave you, some important reminders for Election Day. We'd be remiss not to say this. In North Carolina, polls are going to be open from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Tuesday. In South Carolina, they're going to be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. A reminder, as long as you are in line, when those polls close, you will be allowed to vote. In North Carolina, you do not need your ID. In South Carolina, you do. And a reminder, when voting on Election Day, you actually have to go to your actual precinct voting location um, not early voting location, your actual precinct in your neighborhood, um, or you're not going to be able to vote. We'll see you back here next weekend. Promises to be a, a bumpy week ahead. We'll get through it together. I'll see you during Wake Up Charlotte during the week, and then I'll see you back here for Flashpoint next weekend.